Welcome to Reverb Roundtable, a weekly show that brings the brightest creative minds and digital producers in sports, entertainment, politics, news, and more to share their stories and strategies that will help you become a better leader and creator. This podcast is hosted by Clark Campbell, the founder and CEO of Reverb Agency, an event media production company where the goal is always to make great events look great online. What truly sells a product? Is it facts and reasons? Is it flashy lights and celebrity faces? Or is it something even more fundamental? On today's episode, we are joined by Dr. JJ Peterson, the Chief of Teaching and Facilitation at StoryBrand, a company that teaches businesses how to clarify their messaging to connect with their clients and sell their services more effectively. We discuss the important role narratives play in marketing, what we can learn from Pixar, and how something JJ said in 2018 literally changed the course of Reverb. Now onto this week's episode, here's your host, Clark Campbell. Thank you, Tessa. You heard all you needed to know about Dr. JJ Peterson, but I want to hear from him. JJ Peterson, Dr. JJ Peterson, I'm here with Will. What is up? How's Nash Vegas? It is uh, today. We just made it through another tornado warning. So oh, I'm oh, happy. Yeah. A year ago from this date is when the tornado hit Nashville and we missed another one last night. So I'm, oh. I'm bright eyed and bushy tailed today. <laughs> so you had a blizzard and then you had a tornado. So yeah. Sheesh. Oh man. It's so good. He's a, JJ Peterson is our friend. It's so yeah. weird to call him doctor, but it's the right thing to do. So if you ever meet him, bow down to him and say, Dr. Reverend, yeah, JJ, Dr. Dr. Reverend JJ Peterson is yes. the full title that we yeah. go with. I make, I make you guys say it, even though we're friends. So, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I appreciate it. I was a, hey, I was really scared of Dr. JJ Peterson when I first met him. Like I didn't know like how to take him. Like I was like, but the more I got to know him, I was like, he really likes me. And this is, it worked. I do. <laughs> you know, the entire reason he got his doctorate was so that everyone at StoryBrand had to call him doctor. Like, that was the whole reasoning behind so it. So wait a second. We're saying this and we're saying doctorate. Okay. Dr. J.J. Peterson, what, yeah. you work for StoryBrand. I do. In Nash, well, like, what do you have a doctorate in? Serious question. I know it's in messaging or communications or something, but what is yeah. it in? The actual the actual PhD is in communication, and then my study was in the area of narrative marketing. Mm. And so that my, fits perfectly with StoryBrand, right? Oddly enough, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you actually – first of all, tell everybody, mm-hmm. elevator pitch – I mean, you, you teach other people how to do it. What is StoryBrand for those who don't know? Uh, a lot of companies have a really hard time – with their messaging and have confusing messaging, unclear messaging. Mm -hmm. And so we come in with a seven part story framework and teach companies how to create compelling stories that invite customers to engage on a deeper level. So people can grow their businesses. And so that's amazing. And you, for those people who are listening, Will, you can attest to this. StoryBrand has transformed our company, not only from a cultural standpoint internally, but also from a revenue standpoint. We are able to do so much more work so quickly. Would you say StoryBrand has affected us to the good? When he said it real quick, right? It's a seven-part framework to help people make money. And the framework part comes into where ultimately we always have a framework that we fall back on Mm -hmm. for every project that we do. We help people oftentimes create real-time media ad events, great yep. video work, photographic, and it's something that we always fall back on. But 
the key point at the end of it that he talks about is that it helps make people make money, Cha-ching. which is how we're able to actually get yeah. people to come back to us and keep hiring us to do yeah. all these things. We are so, not profit and neither are you. And <laughs> exactly right. That we do. You should be making money with your, uh, with your business that you have. And you have a lot of people who are kind of afraid of making money, to be honest with you. But yeah. back to your back to your PhD, like why yeah. why did you why did you tie it to what you were doing with StoryBrand? Was it just like, oh, I want to get a PhD because I'm cool, or was you, I mean, you've done a lot in education. You've worked for colleges and universities, but why yeah. a PhD? Well, that was originally my PhD was because I was dean of students at a university and I was a professor, and so it was just part of the game. You know, like if I really wanted to actually continue in higher education, then I needed a PhD if I wanted to teach more. So that's where it started. I've always been kind of fascinated with story and communication in general. And so that even before I came to work for StoryBrand, that's what I was studying. I taught public speaking. I taught argument. I taught leadership. Um, I studied C.S. Lewis and Tolkien in Oxford. You know, I went to Sundance and worked with filmmakers and learned, you know, story at Sundance. And I mean, just kind of it's always been a part of everything that I've done for the past 20 years. And so when I came to StoryBrand, I actually kind of put my Ph.D. on pause for a while. And I was because I was kind of not sure where I wanted to go with it, with the study, because originally I was studying um, comedy and humor and kind of how to use comedy and humor and communication. Um, and then for a while I study, studied mystery and how mystery and uh, indirect communication influences our thinking. So studied a lot of Kierkegaard and C.S. Lewis. And so I was kind of in those spaces, but for a while I was not really – I didn't really see how it applied to where I was at. And I, so I just kind of was like, I'm done with this PhD. This is way too hard to work. <laughs> I don't need it. Giving anymore. up, throwing the towel. And so I, so for literally a few years, I just kept paying like the couple hundred dollars that they required to keep it open until I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> and then finally, really what happened is um, we started serving our customers, story brand customers. And we found that people who, went through a narrative marketing transformation. So moved from kind of like fact-based marketing to narrative-based marketing or messaging if, if you're not even in the marketing world, but you learn how to tell a clear story, a clear narrative in your messaging, then they saw exponential growth. Like they saved money on their messaging. Okay, hold on. And then... Can you repeat that? Those who, saw, who went from fact-based marketing to narrative-based marketing, is that what you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, saw exponential growth. And so we wanted to know what was it, what caused that? Like, is it just nonprofits that could do that? Or was it uh, business to business companies? Or was it business to customer? Or was it large companies or small companies? What were the factors that influenced the exponential growth? And what we discovered is that there weren't any mitigating factors. There was no variable, essentially, that made somebody do better at narrative marketing than not nonprofit for profit uh all those things you know even if you were male female we looked at that (laughs) are you are males or females better at storytelling and marketing and we looked at all of it and nothing made a difference made it had influence on the on the success 
except for implementation, if people actually did it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I kind of wanted to prove that and kind of walk through it. So I, I changed my dissertation to really dive into narrative marketing a little bit deeper, study why was there anything out else out there like this that has showed people how to create clear marketing messages in a narrative format? And it turns out there was not. And then nobody had studied kind of the influence of that. And so I studied that and then studied, went a little bit deeper on the variables to see like what actually made a difference. And literally the only difference was implementation. And so then out of that, Donald Miller and I wrote a book called Marketing Made Simple that took the story brand framework and said, here's how to do a step-by-step -step process of creating a marketing sales funnel. Because, you know, we're very much, I mean, you guys know, like we are, we obsess about our customer success and just mm -hmm. like work our butts off to help them succeed. And if the one thing that was holding them back was not understanding story, but the implementation of that story, then we're going to fix that. So we wrote a book called Marketing Made Simple. And that was all based on my dissertation and the research that I did there. Which leads me to a couple of questions here. And let me see if I can navigate them. Number one, Marketing Made Simple, difference between that book and StoryBrand. Because some people, StoryBrand has been like a bestseller for years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what, what tell us, tell everybody what the difference is between Marketing Made Simple and building a StoryBrand. So building a story brand really breaks down story and story formula. It shows you how to create a clear marketing message. So how to create a clear message using story. And then marketing made simple shows you how to take that story and put it on your website, your one-liner. Implementation. Gotcha. It's all about the implementation. So the second question of that is, who does it work for? Who does this... Uh, I know you said... Your, your research found that it worked in all scenarios, but yeah. nonprofits, yep. news, journalism, yep. Yep. Uh, B2B, B2C, yep. like who does it work for? Yep. Yep. All of them. <laughs> I mean, literally. He said yes, yes to all of the above, actually. I will say there is one group that for me is actually a little bit more difficult because it's quite a bit more nuanced, and that uh -huh. is musicians. Huh, and okay. that's literally it. That's literally it. Um, and I found a way to kind of work with musicians with a story framework that isn't quite formulaic. It's a little bit more nuanced, but that literally in every, I mean, I can tell you, you know, I've, I've worked with huge companies, small companies, chiropractors, uh, beauty products, photographers, uh, car makers, the white house. I, I mean, we've worked wow. with on political campaigns at higher education events, um, you know, we've worked with we know something about events, but yeah, we're going about a few little things. <laughs> and so we work with all types of companies. I'm, I'm literally, I'm not sure there's a type of company we haven't worked with and it works for everybody. Fascinating. So, um, I want to jump into so many other things here, uh, JJ, and, and I'm going to put you on the spot really quick about okay. journalism. So we're about to help a local news organization, um, yeah teach their reporters to be better storytellers using yeah. uh, some of the things we've learned from story brand. We're just going to do like a, a 30, 40 minute, probably the keynote, the story brand keynote. Yeah. Can you give me some free coaching real quick? How do I talk to journalists? How can journalists benefit? Cause so many, we actually, we interviewed a CNN uh, white house re, uh, producer recently. Yeah. How can journalists use the story brand framework? And I know we're going to get to the framework in just a minute, but yeah, yeah. how can a journalist use it? 
you know, I think there's there's a couple different areas. I mean, we'll, we can walk through the formula in just a minute because there really are mm-hmm. seven parts to any good story. So I think yeah. when, when journalists understand those seven elements, they're going to get better. But the other piece of really the framework that will help journalists, and good journalists already know this, is that the story has to be about one thing. That mm-hmm. you can't make the story about 50 things. It has to be focused and clear. So the story has to be about one thing. And that is, you know, you typically what we in the story brand framework, we would say, what does the customer character want or mm-hmm. what is the controlling idea? So the story has to be about one single individual thing. And then um, so clarity and focus is going to be important. And then understanding how conflict works in a story and overcoming right. problems creates interest and intrigue. So if you're, you know, and again, journalists know this, but if you're writing a story about somebody who's sitting on their couch all day, that's not going to mm-hmm. be interesting. <laughs> but if you're writing a story about somebody who's sitting on a couch and a plane crashes in the front yard, now we have a yeah. problem and the yeah. story is interesting. <laughs> so, yep. um so, but I, I would say truthfully for any writer in general, the biggest piece to understand in all of this is the clarity and focus is that the story can't be about 20 different things. It has to be about one thing or you will lose the audience. All right, JJ. So we know that it has to be about one thing and that it works yeah. from everything from writers to musicians, B2B, B2C. We're going to put, we're going to put a clock up on the <laughs> okay. screen for, if you're watching on video, it's going to be 90 seconds. I need you to, there's a whole book written on this, yes. but you have a PhD in it. So we have yes. tons of faith in you. Condense yes. the book. Give me the framework in 90 seconds. Starting. No, no, well, three minutes, three minutes. No, 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 no. We're going to 90, 90 seconds. seconds. Listen, I'm pushing it. Good okay. Gracious. 90 seconds. And then you can ask me questions. And, about and then we'll ask you questions you follow up, that but works. you got 90 seconds to lay out. <laughs> The seven-part framework. Ready, go. So all stories really are essentially the same. They are formulaic. And this formula has been tested and tried over centuries, even going all the way back to Aristotle and Plato. And when you can tell a good story, what you're really doing is helping people make sense of information. So when we say, give me context, like, so I give you like facts and then you say, well, give me context. Mm -hmm. What you're doing then is giving story. So you're helping make sense of the facts that you're about to tell. And the way to do that is through a very specific formula. Now, if we were writing a screenplay, there would be 32 or 36 things we'd have to cover. But for the purposes of most basic stories, and specifically for marketing, it comes down to seven elements. And those seven elements are that you have to ha- meet a character and you have to know what that character wants with the very, with, at the very beginning of the story. And it can only be about one thing. Mm-hmm. Then that character encounters a problem that they have to overcome. And that's when the story gets good. The, the yeah. character has to overcome a problem. And then in order to overcome that problem, they can't do it on their own. So that character must meet a guide, somebody who has been there before them to help them overcome that. Mm-hmm. Then the guide gives them a plan, a very simple plan to win the day. Then there's a moment where they are called to action. They have to act, accept, or reject the challenge to move forward. And we know that it ends in success or failure. Oh, he just did it. Boom. He just Boom. did it. He landed it. I told you he could do it in under 90 <laughs> seconds. I told you. All right. So, so now we have yeah. some follow-up time. Now so I have some follow-up questions. questions. So you laid that out beautifully. Uh, let's say I'm using the seven-part framework. Am yeah. I the character in the situation? If, I, if I'm a business, am I the character? 
No, you are not. Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> That's principles, but Softball. Then, <laughs> it comes to application. Uh, so many uh, companies are telling the wrong story. They try to make themselves the hero in the story. So no matter who your audience is, whether you're getting up to give a speech or whether you're writing a, uh, a, an email or whether you're creating marketing collateral or anything, you're trying to promote any event at all. All you're doing is you have to position your customer or your audience as the hero of the story. And you are the guide. Because what happens is, is a lot of companies try to make themselves the hero of the story. And when you do that, what you're actually doing is placing yourself in competition with your audience or your customer. Because your customer is living a story and you are living a story, and therefore you are in opposite stories. But in order to engage your customer, you have to position yourself in their story. So you are the guide to your customer's hero. So your customer is the hero of the story. You have to identify what it is that they want, and it has to be what I said earlier, one thing. Even though you may think your customer want 20 different things, in order to have a clear message and get people to engage with you and not confuse them, the story has to be about one thing what they want. Then you have to articulate what the problem is that they're experiencing that's getting in the way of that. So let's just say this, let's say I'm selling mattresses and I say, you know, as a, for my customer, I say, we know that you want a good night's sleep. The problem is your mattress is actually old and causing you a lot of pain. So you're just literally articulating what it is they want. And then articulating the problem that's getting in the way. Then you position yourself as the guide with empathy and authority. So you understand your customer's problem and you've helped other people overcome it. So you would say, you know, we under, we we're frustrated by a lack of sleep too, which is why we created a mattress that has now been sold to 10,000 customers and helps them get a great night's sleep. Empathy and authority. We understand your problem and we've overcome the problem. Then you give them a plan. So you say, you know, here's how you pick out your mattress. You come to the store, you figure out your sleep number, and then you get a great night's sleep. One, two, three. Then you call them to action. So you say, so find a store near you. That's the call to action. And then you cast a vision for what life looks like if they don't buy your mattress. That's failure or success if they do buy your mattress. So failure would be um, that, you know, you're going to continue to have a poor night's sleep and success is you're going to feel wake up every morning refreshed and ready to take on the day. So if I put that whole, the whole seven elements together and wrote that, say, in an email or a quick 30-second ad, I might say something like, we know that getting a good night's sleep is hard and you're looking to get a great night's sleep. Well, so many people are sleeping on mattresses that are old and are causing them pain. We understand this. I used to actually sleep on a hard mattress that was that made me sick every morning I got up because I was so exhausted, which is why I helped create a mattress that has actually changed the way people sleep and helped 10,000 customers. Here's all you need to do in order to find the mattress that works for you is come into one of our stores. We're going to give you the sleep number that shows you what mattress is perfect for you. Then we'll help you buy the mattress and so you can get a great night's sleep. Mm-hmm. So to get started, all you need to do is find a store near you and you're going to stop worrying about having sleepless nights and waking up feeling nauseous in the morning and instead Instead, you're going to wake up refreshed and ready for the day. 
He just did that oh. without taking one breath. One breath or one note. <laughs> that, that all happened up in his head, which was amazing. I, I, I'm not on a clock. Was I on a clock there? Did I do it at night? <laughs> no. We'll put up was... a clock now just to show how fast you did it. That I'm was so good and so helpful. Um, I'm, I'm going to steal that in the future. Um, I... I'm so I'm fascinated with this isn't the story the way y'all have packaged the framework is not necessarily a new idea. you've condensed it but yeah. it came from I think filmmaking and you said all the way back to Socrates and for centuries and centuries and centuries um like how did you guys how did y'all boil it down to these seven things was it something Don Miller just it popped into his head or like, how did you get it to seven yeah, I mean, first off, it was Donald Miller. <laughs> and yep. I mean, he's the one who created this. And he really came to it through looking at a lot of story formula. So, mm. you know, there is, and, and for him, he really came through it through screenwriting. Is There's yeah. a couple of books in particular. One is called Save the Cat by Blake Snyder. And mm. what he really points out is the formulaic nature of screenwriting. And mm. it, it, in, when I lived in L.A., I mean, literally every year, practically in the LA Times, there would be a story about how Blake Snyder had ruined filmmaking because <laughs> he pointed out how formulaic storytelling is and then taught people how to do it. So, wow. in his, literally, he says, shows you what needs to be on every page in a screenplay. And in a screenplay, one page equals about one minute of film. So when you know what's supposed to be on page seven, you know what actually is going to be in minute seven in the movie. Wow. So he literally shows you how to do that page by page, which then translates into people doing that exact same thing. And that's the reason why every movie feels the same, why okay. every movie feels the same way. And it's because he points out how he teaches people how to create, use the formula of storytelling in order to write a screenplay. Now, what I will say is the way he does it and the way that we do it is designed to reach the masses. It's mm -hmm. easy access. Mm -hmm. So there are mm -hmm. art films that break the rules, but those art films don't make money. <laughs> so <laughs> you can make a great piece <laughs> no of art. No one knows about them. And I love art films. I absolutely yeah. love art films. But if you want them to make, um, uh, make a lot of money, you need to make it accessible and easy to understand. People don't want to have to think. <laughs> they want to go yeah, into yeah, yeah movies in particular for an escape well it's hmm. in many ways it's the same way with your marketing and messaging when wow. you make things confusing and make people have to think they don't have time to think they're looking for an escape when they're buying something or they're looking for a solution to a problem and you need to make that so clear that it's very accessible and so when you follow the simple formula it makes things accessible and it allows people to engage with your product or service more easily or buy into whatever you're trying to sell. Gosh. This is going to be such a good episode when people hear this. It's so good. Um JJ I whenever I talk about story brand with friends or clients I almost always reference a Disney movie because every Disney movie, every Pixar movie, I can go through any of them and they yeah. all follow the framework and not yeah. your, not story brands framework per se, but this framework. So what's your favorite Disney or Pixar movie and how does it follow the framework? <laughs> Ready, set, go. Am I back on the clock? Oh man. Um, <clears throat> let me, you, you caught me here. Whenever anybody asks me what's my favorite movie, it's, that's a very hard question for me 
to answer. Right now, I would say The Incredibles. I've been watching The Incredibles mm. uh-huh. a bit more in depth, right? So, yeah. you know, you identify essentially it's a group protagonist with the with the family, but really the dad is the hero, right? Yeah. So the dad, he wants to make a difference in the world. He wants to have meaning. He wants to feel important, feel valued, all of those things. The problem is ultimately in this case, he his own kind of ego gets in the way and he goes out and meets the villain who, Mm -hmm. you know, who tries to kill him develop. He's trying to develop this machine that's going to kill all superheroes so he can be the superhero. Mm -hmm. So the dad has to um, overcome that, that problem in the movie and his family's in danger. And he meets, you know, his guide is that little short lady who makes the (laughs) costume and yes, Edna, and she's the guide because she not only reminds him, but reminds the whole family of who they are and who they were meant to be, right? So she not only gives them the tools to win the day with the suits, but she is reminding the hero who they are and who who they can become. And so then they develop a plan, you know, ultimately to overcome and beat the hero, beat the villain. And there's a moment where the the big bad guy's machine lands in New York and the family has to decide, are they going to step in or run away? That's the call to action. And then we know that the whole city can be destroyed failure and the family dies or that success is the bad guy loses and the family can be all together. Crazy. Every Disney and Pixar movie, every movie fits into that. One of the things that I've seen lately that's been interesting too is not only does Disney, of course, like everyone else, use this same framework over and over again for all their films, but earlier on they used a lot of the same frames of animation that they did for individual movies. They would take and repeat it. So like you can see like dances and coordinated moves happening the exact same way in uh, like the the Robin Hood movie with the animals and with – oh, what's what's the movie with – the boy and the bear. I'm forgetting what that one is. The boy and the bear. Jungle Book. So Jungle, Jungle Book, Book oh, and yes. like the Robin Hood movie. Like they, there's you're not old enough to know that, Jungle Book, right? Will. Hey, no, I grew up on Jungle Book. VHS, baby. <laughs> but like they, they not only are using they're using the same frames of animation yeah. and whatnot too because it's something that worked for them as an organization that made money huh. and so they'd copy it and they'd paste it and they'd take it from movie to movie. Jeez, that's fascinating. Yeah, and we can apply it to our brands. Go ahead, JJ. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say it's what. What really it all comes down to in in marketing and branding, but also even in like making a movie is, I said it earlier, is that story is a sense-making device. So let's just take like The Incredibles, for instance, right? The information that we learn about in the story is the story that matters to communicate a specific message or specific lesson, right? Mm -hmm. That promotes a specific response from the audience. We're wanting to get a response, a thought change and action out of the audience, right? So the details that we put into the story should lead us to that lesson and that we learn. And so, you know, let's say with, uh, with Incredibles, we don't know the, what the dad was like as a child, right? Mm -hmm. That information gets left out because if we added that information, then that might actually tell a different story. And so as the audience, we're going, wait, am I supposed to learn this or learn this? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, all of a sudden we start going into his dating background of who he dated before he met his wife, which doesn't actually contribute to the message we're trying to communicate. And all of a sudden now, wait, wait, am I supposed to be, what lesson am I supposed to be learning here? 
And so that's why the rules of formula are, I mean, the rules of story are so important and why that formula is so important because it helps us stay focused in telling the right story. We can tell 5 million different stories about our brand. We can tell write 50 million movies about love. But if we want the audience to know one thing when they walk out of here, or they, we want our customer to know one mm-hmm. thing, which is ultimately buy this product or service, then we need to use the formula to keep things tight. The more tight you are, the more sense the story makes, and the more likely people are to engage and act based on that story. So it's just as important what you include as it is what you leave out. Like both are equally as important because there's so much to include, right? In every story that you're telling, everything you want to communicate, there's so much you can do. And it's just as important to leave what might feel like important things out for the sake of clarity and ease in that communication. Almost, I would say it's more important. I would say what you leave out, what you know to leave out is more important than almost what you put in. Great writers know what to leave out. That's just what it comes mm-hmm. down to. And so when you can figure out how to be focused and clear with your message, you're going to see greater results. Oh, oh there's two directions I want to take this. Speaking okay. of leaving, leaving things out. Um, we're going we're gonna to wrap this with two things. One is narrative transportation and one is a little personal story about uh, how much you helped us. Uh, become who we are today. But narrative transportation, how does that relate to story brand framework? What is narrative transportation? It's something you've talked about a lot and I'm always fascinated as I am today to hear you talk about it. Maybe, maybe not tie it to the election, but uh, (laughs) how does narrative, you can if you want, but how does narrative transportation relate to story? So narrative transportation is a, is a communication concept. So it's like studied in communication theory. And the idea is that when you transport yourself into a story, that is called narrative transportation. So if you've ever heard the phrase, like, got lost in a book, or when you're watching a movie and something scary happens and mm-hmm. you jumped – you have experienced narrative transportation. You mm-hmm. put yourself in the story. You feel what the characters are mm. feeling. Um, and, you know, this can go super high or it cannot, you, like, just because you hear a story doesn't mean you do experience narrative transportation. But the better okay, the story, yeah. the more narrative transportation you experience. Um, like, for me, I literally found myself one day praying for the characters on Walking Dead and like, oh, it, like, God, please protect them as they're. And I went, oh no, 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 no! You <laughs> that side, this is not real. And so, like, that's how much I had placed myself in the story. As I started praying for my friends who were stuck in the prison, while the were outside. And so, you know, that's narrative transportation. Now, the research shows that the way that you there's all these rules of what you have to follow to help people experience transportation and two that really fall into kind of how story brand works are these two things called fidelity and coherency if a story sticks mm-hmm. together and it makes sense then people will experience a higher level of narrative transportation if wow. you break fidelity and coherency then people experience less narrative transportation so in, in the story brand framework, what that really means is that the seven elements really build on each other and work together to keep a cohesive story and help the story I make see. sense, stay focused. 
And in, in a very broad term, like let's use a generic example of this, like if you are watching a movie and you see a character in an airport and, and in the movie they're supposed to be in L.A., but you know that that airport is in Chicago. Right. And yeah. you look at it and all of a sudden you're like, they're not in L.A., they're in Chicago. It, it breaks it. It breaks it. You take you take yourself out of the story. You start yeah. – you, you don't have narrative transportation. You come out. Well, they have broken – fidelity right it doesn't like stick together and make sense they broke fidelity and coherency in that moment so we stop thinking about the story and we start thinking about the details of the story right well it's the same like if you tell the story in the wrong way or you tell the story about too many things people don't know what to pay attention to then fidelity and coherency are broken so you have to follow the rules of story in order to achieve high fidelity and coherency now the next level of research shows that the greater level of narrative transportation that people experience, the more likely their minds and their actions are to be changed. So the more that you can place yourself in the story or see yourself in the story, the more likely you are going to be influenced. Your mind will be changed and your actions will be changed. And there's a bunch of research on this. And this goes all the way from studying like movies and books all the way to studying tweets and Instagram posts. It's true for those as well. So if you can actually invite people into a story where they can see themselves in the story, identify with the problem that you're talking about in the story, or identify with the life that you offer on the other side in the story, in a tweet or in an Instagram post, people can experience narrative transportation in that and are more likely to engage with their product or service. So all that is to say, when you follow the rules of story – you create a story that sticks together and makes sense. Therefore, people ex- in, see themselves in the story and they are more likely to have their minds and their actions changed. And in, in the business world, what that means literally is you have more influence over people's ability to engage with your product and service and ultimately buy. JJ, I know what narrative transportation looks like in a movie theater while watching The Incredibles, and I know what it looks like when reading Lord of the Rings. What does narrative transportation look like when you're browsing a website? Like, what does it look like when you're reading a tweet? How is that different from narrative transportation, how we experience it in films and books? It's not quite as intense. (laughs) <laughs> obviously like you know, yeah. there might be a little bit less emotional connection you haven't seen my twitter feed then uh, because it's intense it's true it's true there's a lot of narrative transportation <laughs> happening during twitter. the polls and twitter makes me weep all the time but <laughs> <laughs> movie you have two two and a half hours in a tweet yeah. you, have, you know 30 characters so it, it yeah. you have less ability but what it comes down to is when you understand, say, the elements of story, the story brand framework, and you identify what it is your customer wants, what problem they're experiencing, how you position yourself as a guide, the plan and call to action, success and failure. All you're doing then, once you understand that macro story for your audience or for your customer, all you have to do then is take one piece of that to put it in a tweet to help people connect with you. So you can cast a vision with success of what life can look like when people get a good night's sleep. You know, just using the words like, imagine waking up every morning and being excited about taking on the day. Well, that's what our mattress can do. Well, if I'm a person who's looking for a mattress, I can literally imagine myself waking up every morning when I'm right now. Not. Or you can ask the question, are you tired of waking up every morning nauseous because you didn't get a good night's sleep? 
Well, that starts to just asking that question invites me into a story because that's the story I'm living. Now, if I am not their customer, they've, by telling a clear story, they have excluded people who are not having a good night's sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, yeah. So they, those type of people, they're not going to be inviting in people who love their mattress and who are um, getting a good night's sleep. But you don't want those people. They're not going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not a part of your demographic anyways. You're just identifying with people who you can solve their problem. And, who, and so you're trying to invite them into a story. And when they see that and begin to see themselves and go, yeah, I can imagine myself actually waking up rested. Oh, I am sick of waking up every morning nauseous because I'm tired. That just that little bit allows them to enter into that story and then they can hear more about the story and see if the story is fitting for them. Which will, do you know why people buy products? They buy products Products because they read words that tell them to. Yeah. That solve their problem problems. Yep. That's it. You got it. I'm telling you, that's literally the only reason when I tell people that they're like, nah, I think I buy, I buy, I buy my rake for my yard. Because your yard is messy and it's a problem. <laughs> They're like, I don't buy. And then you, you basically logically walk it out for any time you go to the store, anytime you eat, even on social media. Why do you scroll mindlessly through social media? Because you're tired and you need escapism. You need yeah. laughter. And so you scroll and you consume content because you're just, you're feeling exhausted. Yeah. Yep. Ultimately, you're always trying to escape from something else, whether it's escape yeah. from a messy yard or escape from distraction. Exactly. You're looking towards something to take you out of that, which, as you're saying, is what narrative transportation does quickly and effectively. Instead of just shoving a number at someone and saying, hey, call this number and buy now, you're actually giving them a reason to want to do that. Mm. Telling you. Go. So I have a question for you. Yeah. I know, for me or JJ? For, no, for you. Oh, so gosh. I know yes. that something JJ and the Story Brand crew <laughs> said early on really affected us as a company. Yeah, I know you have a story around that. Sure, I'm not sure, talking sure. about the story of you dreaming about marrying JJ and <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. The wedding. <laughs> but there's another there's another one. Per- no 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 performing JJ's wedding yeah, in yeah, Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. To but, clear. but I'm not actually asking about that one. I'm asking you about the other one that's more like defining of our company. True story, audience. True story. It is a true story. I'll we'll put it in the show notes, maybe or something. That, I did. That'll be a that'll be a post credit. It will That's be post credits. Yeah, we'll we'll record that later. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I was in late 2018, December, November 2018. I was dry. It was a bright blue sunny day. Uh, I was pulling into the car wash, and speaking of narrative transportation, right. Did I take you there, JJ? No? Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it's <laughs> like pull- he was reading Lord of the Rings, man. <laughs> I'm pulling into a car wash, and JJ and Don are on some podcast, and all I can remember is JJ saying, you have to be known for something, for solving something. You're, you're talking about companies. you got to be known for solving something. One thing, you don't need to be known out in the marketplace for solving 20 problems. You need to be known as solving a problem. I literally picked up my phone and called uh, someone in our company. I said, listen, it's time. We have to refocus our energies towards event media, event marketing, because we do all kinds of media and, and, and marketing services, but people are confused with the name Social Lion, which was our former company name. 
they're confused. They're like, well, do you do social media? Do you do event? Do you do photography? Do you do graphic design? Yes, we do all those, but it's really, really confusing. And so I said to him, we've got to change our name. It's causing so much confusion and we need to talk about doing one thing. So we rebranded to, we found this, actually Will found this domain, RVRB, Reverb. Uh, we were looking for a, a word that went with music because if you think of all the reverberations of a piano, when you organize the reverberations of a piano and all the sounds of a piano, it's beautiful. Well, all the noise on the internet is overwhelming, just like a kid banging on a piano. But when you organize those sounds on the internet, like what we try to do at events, it clarifies things and people just lean back and they're transported. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and so uh, you, JJ, Dr. JJ Peterson, are the really the catalyst, what you said on that podcast. Uh, so hopefully today someone will like, they'll have another moment. Yeah, where they're just transported. I will say though, two two months fast forward and yeah. we're actually working our first StoryBrand event. <laughs> we get to StoryBrand in Nashville. And Don's like, you guys are Socialine, right? And you're like, actually, we're, we're Reverb now. And he's like, yeah, I like Socialine. <laughs> uh, why'd you guys change your name? He he's did. like, I'm, I'm, I, I like Socialine better. I was like, I couldn't believe I was meeting Donald Miller. I, I don't know. I, I, it was just one of those things. And I was meeting him and he goes, oh, it's not social line. I like that. And I was like, like, I like that. You should, you should I was like, Oh God. Oh God. We've had an identity crisis ever since actually. Oh, well, so there's the end of that story, but we want to thank you, JJ. You've, you've really, really been a huge influence personally on our team and on our company. Um, right. Will, is it just me? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he has a doctorate in this, so I don't know how experienced Don is, but he doesn't have a doctorate in stories. So truthfully, I go to JJ when it comes to the real authority on the topic. JJ, are you on Twitter or Instagram? Any, anywhere the, the social transporter people can come find you? Um, yes, <laughs> I am. Private accounts. I don't know. <laughs> um, I never know like what my actual, like, uh, you know, what are the handle? Handles are. <laughs> um, it, it, uh, I'm looking it up right now. It's, oh, it is. Legendary. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So it's at Dr. J.J. Peterson. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. That was at so Dr. hard. J.J. Peterson, he got there. And then, of course, story brand. Yeah, story, story brand, brand. Which is what um, J.J. represents. Learn more about kind of the workshops that we do and teaching. Yeah. And storybrand.com. Story and, um, and we actually help people literally in two days clarify their whole message and help them get the start on their sales funnel. And so, and they can, they can do right now. They can do a workshop online this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, they can have uh, a, a private workshop potentially. And, and hopefully maybe one day again, you'll, you'll have in-person events. We would love to, we would love to, yeah. and we'd love for you guys to be there. Cause we love working. We, with you. we would love to, we miss you guys. We love um, we do. Uh, it, check out some of the content we've made with StoryBrand. They have been such a joy through our, our journey here. And they've, truthfully, they've helped us significantly increase our revenue, which, as JJ said at the beginning, that's <laughs> really not, what we're here to do. We're not non-for-profits, and neither are you. <laughs> <laughs> we're not non-for-profits. Thank you, Dr. JJ Peterson. We hope to see you on the StoryBrand podcast. No, Business Made Simple Business made podcast. Simple. It, it has been rebranded. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you in Nashville. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Show notes, you'll hear about them here in just a couple seconds. We'll see you next time right here on the Reverb Roundtable. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Reverb Roundtable. We have learned so much from JJ and the whole crew at StoryBrand in the last couple of years. And we knew when we decided to launch this podcast that we had to ask him to come on and impart some of his wisdom to our people. 
So if you got a lot out of that episode, don't forget that we write up show notes for every single episode so that you never have to worry about missing anything. To grab those show notes, just go ahead and go to rvrb.cc forward slash podcast and subscribe to our email list. One last thing, if you are vibing with the show, if you like what you hear and are learning a lot from the people we're having on, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review, we would be so thankful to you. We really want to make sure this podcast reaches people so that we can help others become better leaders and creators. We just really believe that this podcast is going to help people. So if you want to leave a review, that would be dope. And we would love you so much. Once again, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss our next episode. And we'll see you next week.